welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire. That podcast where we try to catch Gabe up on everything he missed while he was being homeschooled and sheltered from the outside world. Where we try to not reignite, but ignite the pop culture phenomenons that happened prior to what he's into now. Maybe potentially the phenomenons that led into what he's into now, which is kind of meta because you're into Star Wars, which means those technically directly influenced the ones we're discussing that then influenced the ones you're currently watching. Just a... How deep does the rabbit hole go? Right? The year is 1992. AT&T introduces the video phone. IBM developed the first smartphone and the 10th millionth cell phone was sold. Pepsi began the test market for Crystal Pepsi. Do you remember that oh one? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> Microsoft releases Windows 3.0. Oh no, I'm Ooh. sorry. Uh, Stand corrected. 3.1. So let me try oh, it again. I was going to say 3.1 was my first Windows. Yeah. I, I definitely recognize 3.1. Played a lot of those games that came with it. Ski free. Shout out to Ski free. Nice. This is a big one that I was like, you know, very aware of. A jury acquitted three Los Angeles police officers in the beating of Rodney King. Are you familiar with that one? I am familiar with that one. As a retrospective, though, because at the time I was not. Right, right. But but you're aware because I've actually spoken I, to I, people I, who did not know anything about it. But they were. That, that the, were from California? No, no. I was going to say it was definitely East Coast thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I could get. I could. I could forgive that sort of. Yeah. Right? We didn't have yeah. the same kind of media cycle that we do now. And uh, the CD is officially outselling the tape in 1992. Ooh, Ooh I know, right? Already, huh? Dang. Because I had cassette tapes growing up. I had a, I had cassette tape players. I had a Walkman. I'll tell you this much. I got in... I think my first Discman was in the late 90s. So I was rocking... I was rocking Walkman. expensive initially. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I was rocking Walkmans all the way into high school because I remember my Walkman being confiscated quite a few times throughout the year. So here's my Walkman flex that I that, that here's my fancy Walkman. So first of all, Sony, right? It's the best. Second, I would get the ones I like to get the ones that had the TV. They would pick up local TV stations. My God, you they were... had, you could listen to TV. So I remember now. Obviously, again, this is not '92, but we're just gonna skip over to. Uh, I'd be doing like yard work, you know. I'll be working out and I'd be listening to like I don't know, like Judge Judy on TV. Because I could listen to TV stations, <laughs> listening to some like trash daytime television while doing while raking leaves. You know, it picking up it, citrus. It connects to what we talked about last time, where you were listening to old timey radio shows. So oh yeah, there you go. See, it was, like, it was not very different television. for you, was it? <laughs> no, there you go. It's just the modern, it's the modern evolution of that. So ninety two, I'm twelve. I'm uh, running around, uh, getting into junior junior high. But yeah, like I said. I used to, yeah, I used to take a Walkman to school uh, and they, you know, it would, it wasn't allowed. So it'd be confiscated once in a while. There was this thing that I, that uh, you would do at the end of the year. And this I did in high school, not in, not in uh, junior high. Cause in junior high, I was still scared. I wasn't, I didn't know what was going on, but in high school though, if you waited till the end of the year, uh, a lot of uh, Walkmans that were not um, collected, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, they were not uh, 
reclaimed. Yeah, they were not claimed. You could go and you didn't need a parent to claim them at the end of the year because during the year period, the, the parent had to come so that they could be told like, hey, your son's not or daughter is not supposed to be bringing this to school. But at the end of the day, they didn't care. So I would go in. Get rid of them. Yeah. So I would go in there and I'd be like, hey, uh, my Walkman was confiscated. It's a yellow one. I would go with something generic. And then they were like, here, look through it. And I would just kind of like look through it and just find the, the best one and just go like, that's the one. <laughs> Sounds about right. But yeah, so, but no, but that that was later on. But yeah, 92, uh, I am not into CDs yet. Random House, I think, is right around the time that it's starting. I don't know if you ever remember the Random House CD subscription where you would get like seven CDs for free. And then every month you were sent the option of, keeping the whatever best cd that they recommended for you was and a ton of people did it and a ton of people never paid for it and you know you know i don't remember that but i do remember audio like this is what um became like ultimately like audio like amazon bought recorded books incorporated and i remember recorded books incorporated when they did cassette tapes right like we go to the library and you get audio books and they were on cassette tapes still and so you'd get like this binder from the library that had, oh, depending on how right. long the book was, it would have like 20 cassette tapes in it for some book. And of course, there are cassette tapes that's side A and side B for our younger listeners. Don't realize that there's two sides. You'd have all these cassette tapes that you'd listen to. And so like in the car or just on the on the Walkman, you'd have you'd have audiobooks. And uh, I, I remember, I forget when I realized when I'd heard about whatever, but like that's what became Audible. Like they bought Recorded Books Incorporated because they had this great library and licensing. I think the licensing was probably a big deal for books, right? They just went, then they went digital. I don't know the whole story, but like Recorded Books Incorporated was uh, how we initially did that. So I've seen the evolution of, of audiobooks into Audible, which I'm a huge fan of today. That's crazy. So this is- They just, should sponsor us. This, uh, Yeah, you know what? Let me, uh, <laughs> let me write that down for our many, many sponsors that are on the line right now. <laughs> Actually, no, you just said something, and again, this is completely not what we're supposed to be talking about, but why weren't CDs two-sided? They could have fit two hours worth of stuff on them, and really, you just have to put the label in the center so that the CD itself can still be read, right? I don't know if there's enough. Like, they might have had to, like, is it shining the laser completely through it, or just reading it off the side? I, don't, I guess I don't know enough about that. Like, is it is there enough thickness, or would it have had to be thicker so that it wouldn't, so that you could put the needed... That's you know, a very media. good question because I know also that labeling. Yeah, because I, I figured like because of the labeling. But if you just put it in the center of the bottom, you know, like towards the center of the disc, it's either it's either what we're thinking or technology just moved too, too quickly and it didn't matter because DVD followed so fast after That's that true. anything that needed more space got it. And then things went things went digital. Well, I remember there was a very short lived um device called the mini md and it was like a little cartridge you know but it's like you could so put like it, tape drives and stuff or yeah so you could if you did it right you could put it in as as data and then listen to it on one of their own devices but if you didn't do it that way you could also put it in as as a as a music file which then took up more space which ended more up space. being like 45 minutes to 50 minutes you know what's interesting is like all that tape drive and stuff. Like my grandpa was always at the cutting edge of technology when uh, when he was around. He, uh, I remember like that was one of my introductions too. Like it was always like you wanted to play video games on grandpa's computer. 
he had tape drives. I remember that. He just reminded me. Like, he had tape, like, like in the tiny phase of time when tape drives were, like, the thing. Like, he was backing up all his stuff because he always had, like, who knows what. Like, he wrote That's books. Crazy. And so he, he had copies of all his stuff and backups of his files and stuff. And he was always, you know, getting new technology and tape drives. And that was the thing. Like, I remember him having, and, like, hmm. businesses were the only things that used tape drives. That's crazy. Man, you're, you're, yeah. He was ahead of his time. He was. So, 92, you're four years old not a lot's going on you're obviously not aware of everything in the world so we forgive that but no just just using mickey mouse as a gun i'm using mickey mouse as a gun yeah that'll teach goofy a lesson so movies okay so a big movie that came out that kind of started a trend of types of movies was basic instinct do you know of it have you ever seen it i know of it i don't think i've ever seen it i think i probably know Oh, wow. That was like the biggie because of the erotic thriller. It really like, and it, it, it like crossed a line that hadn't been crossed before, literally with Sharon Stone crossing literally. and uncrossing her legs. But it was, it was, uh, okay. Mike, was, I, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I know that, uh, that you said that. And I was like, oh yeah, I know, I know the, what you're talking about, the actual incident. Yeah. I've heard of the incident. So, but yeah, it was Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone. And this was like Sharon Stone's big, because after this, like Sharon Stone blew up. She ended up doing a few erotic thrillers, unfortunately. And then a bunch of other erotic thrillers came out. But Michael Douglas, mid-age, I guess, at that time. But he had also, also already done Fatal Attraction. So he, he kind of had that personality. Uh, so but yeah, it was. just changed the game, though. Like it was like, it was like a, a Bub R, like it was in, you know, like NC-17 movie, if I recall. Another big one that comes out, for me because i was a fan of him uh but also because of because of your old-timey uh gun smoking days unforgiven comes out in 92 did you watch that or heard of it uh that's um the clean eastwood clean eastwood yeah morgan freeman clean eastwood and uh gene hackman i I want to say i own that on dvd hell yeah (laughs) it's a fantastic movie man that is a great movie (laughs) Uh, it, it was, was one of my dad's favorites, actually. Oh yeah, no, it, it was it was almost Clint Eastwood's like you know goodbye love letter to westerns. Like he the westerns, yeah. He he after that he started doing a lot more modern. You know, we ended up we eventually end up with Gran Turismo, which is you know I mean what can you say? But yeah, but I think that was his last like and I mean, yeah. what a way to go. A great bookend to like, oh, his my career God. in westerns. Phenomenal, the man with no name, fine. And then this is a this is a movie that I've always liked. Because it just had an insane cast in it, right? Now, have you heard or seen the movie uh, Sneakers? No. Okay. So, Sneakers was a movie starring... I always I always want to say Paul Newman, but I, it's Robert Redford. But it had Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Sir Ben Kingsley, River Phoenix... Sidney Poitier, but the cast was ridiculous. But it's well, basically that star-studded right there. Yeah, but it was basically a um, it's a it's a group of guys who do like security work, and something that he did in the past kind of comes back to to his present time. So him and his team do this little mission, this you know like espionage mission. But it's like you know it's a fall under comedic drama, suspense, maybe crime. Phenomenal movie though. It's so much fun to watch. Dude, such an amazing cast. They, they the chemistry between all of them. 
Oh my god! And I was a fan of all those guys. Like Sidney Poitier is one of my favorite actors. You know, Robert Redford. I know him. I know him. He made it through because of Lily of the Valley. Lilies of the Valley. Oh wow! Movie. Do you know that one? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a big fan of his. I actually. There you go. I thought you were gonna say like, guess who's coming to dinner or like, uh, in the heat of the night. It's the religious thing, right? Oh, we got to watch right. that because it's all about building a church. The, the nuns, nuns, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. And it's, you know, that little comedy bit about how, like, they're always, you know, they're always extorting more labor out of this poor traveler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to build a church. Oh, wow. Okay. And then he gets all into it. And then it becomes his thing. And he's going to build this epic yeah. church. You yeah. Know, even though he's Protestant and they're Catholic. But yeah, so, and, and you know Robert Redford probably from his old oh, movies, yeah. right? Okay. River Phoenix, the younger brother of Joaquin Phoenix, who unfortunately passed away due to overdose. Yeah. And you have Dan Aykroyd, Mr. Ghostbuster yep. himself. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's yeah, if it, it, it's such a fun movie to watch, I I see it every like five years probably. You gave that setup. You talked about security and stuff, and I kind of jumped to like I was picturing like an A team like situation. No, these... I know it wasn't as I, I get it wasn't, but it was funny for me mentally to picture them all in A team roles. Yeah, no, they, to they, these Sydney were Poitier as as B A. No, that would be amazing. <laughs> no, this is a much homelier cast. You know, I mean, there's even a blind guy in the movie, so I don't, I don't know. But no, but I, I like the idea. I like the idea. Popular TV shows in 1992, among the others we've mentioned: Murphy Brown, Murder She Wrote, and Monday Night Football. Any of those in your? Okay. Murder she well, wrote Monday Night Football. I don't think that's ever going to catch on. Yeah, I know. People watching. Uh, no, no. I'm. Uh, I've heard of all of that. Yeah. TV shows that ended in 1992. The Golden Girls. Wow. Was that something your mother? Nothing? No. You know what? I bet they like, were too now, sassy. Huh? Now, they were too sassy. I was. I was going to say there's probably. I was going to say probably it was still probably too mature somehow because you you seen you've seen how Betty White is. Yeah, and no you had that punches. one character that was sleeping around. She used to yeah, get around yeah, yeah. quite a bit. They were like the they were like the Sex in the City girls before Sex in the City. Right. This was this was Sex in the City, like uh, you know, uh, the, the the later years, the golden years, the golden years. So Sex in the Home. <laughs> you know, that's uh that is that's a real phenomena. So oh yeah, if yeah. They wanted to make that TV show, they absolutely could. Yeah, nobody wants to watch that TV show though. <laughs> Uh, another show that ended in uh, 92 was the Johnny Carson show. Uh, wow. Yeah, so Johnny Carson, for those who don't know, was like the man who created what we know as late night TV right now, like late night talk shows. He was the man forever, and it, and it ended in uh, 92 when he, he did his last show. Here's Johnny. Yep. Now, TV shows that started in 92, were you a, a Gary Shandling fan I don't recognize the name. Tell me. Mm. Tell me what's up. So he had the Larry Sanders show, Larry Sanders show in the in the uh, 80s and it ended in the 90s. Then he eventually got the Gary Shandling show, which was a bit of an improv show um, on HBO, I want to say. He was a stand up comedian, super famous. He oh, you, you might recognize him from like the Captain America, the Winter Soldier. He was one of the um senators that was a hydra member i mean you know like eventually oh, was he the okay in the later years he he, he turned into that but he was a very funny comedian i would say he, his t- style of comedy was kind of up there with like uh uh jerry seinfeld 
Okay. That no, I, I wasn't. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know him pre pre Hydra in his career. Oh, you knew him when he was uh, Shield. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another show that gets uh, started in 92, The Real World. Oh. This was, I think, I want to say it was like the first reality TV show where you gathered a group of strangers and put them in a room together. In this play, in this case, an apartment in like, I think San Francisco was where the first one was. Can you imagine being the first person to come up with that, that format? It wouldn't matter though, because it's the guy who does it well that gets, the, that gets more famous than you. This is true. <laughs> But like for the rest of your life, you're telling people, I was the one that pitched putting a bunch of strangers together in a place. You mean now like look at television? It's almost as good as like the guy who passes up on that one good offer, right? Like the guy at Blockbuster who turned down buying Netflix. He must be oh, like, Ooh. yeah, that'll never catch on. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that one guy was like a reality TV show. Where you take a bunch of strangers. I don't know about that. But yeah, that was the, that was the first year uh, that it came out. And I mean. You know, the rest is history, right? Now, now it's all strangers on television in rooms. Now it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, now this is a this is a deep cut. The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, starring Sean Patrick Flannery, was this is something you you heard about, have seen, or? I saw some of it. Those didn't make it. I I didn't get to see as much of that as as I got to see of Indiana Jones, but I do remember it. And I don't think I realized it was Sean Patrick Flannery at the time. Yeah. Crazy, huh? About that. Who eventually, for those who don't know, eventually does the the amazing cult classic of Boondock Saints. Right. Among an annual watch for me. Among many other things. But to me, look, it's it's uh it's uh, Boondock Saints and Powder. That's it. That's all I know him for. Every every uh every Saint Patrick's I've watched Boondock Saints. Do you do Boondock Saints too, though? I don't. That's for All Saints Day, so you, I should be watching that coming up here uh, at the end of uh, October, right? It's All yeah. Saints and All Souls Day. Yeah. People that died in 1992. This name should sound familiar, and this is why I picked him. Chuck Connors. Yeah, he's uh, hang on, he was uh, he was in my, some of my shows. I'm yeah. trying to remember exactly who he played. Chuck Connors was... So he, he, he ran the gamut. Was he in the Rat Patrol? He ran the gamut. He was in all those TV shows. Oh, he was he was the Rifleman. He was the Rifleman, yes. That's who he was. That was such a f fucking cool show. So cool. We watched that. That's one of those ones. That came on 56 KDOC, and I've seen so much of that show. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, as a kid, you didn't really string together the story too much. It was all episodic. That's all you cared about was, like, when was he going to bust out the rifle and spin it around? That's pretty much <laughs> my entire my entire experience. Like, if he was talking too much in that show, I didn't really care. Like, I wasn't, I'm not trying to figure out how to live a prairie life here or raise a son by myself. I'm trying to figure out when he's going to spin that Winchester around, start yeah. taking people out. Yeah, no, the show was on for, like, five years. And, yeah, it was a Winchester he had. I don't think he had it customized, but they customized it so that he could do that repeated firing by by doing that spin, right? And the with the lever and everything. I don't think that's yeah. what. I don't think that's what that rifle actually did. I think that it was like a, a thing they did for the show. Normally, right? no, but I think there's some historical base. So I want to say that cavalry or like horse, like people that were on horseback did get those. The that was not an uncommon modification to have the larger like that that wider lever to make it easier to work while holding reins so that you could you could get your hand in there and it was easier to work the lever on it 
because the Winchester was great for like you know mounted because it was a it was a good size like cavalry would use it. I think the idea to like get rid of the trigger and make it like a you know lever operated fire or, or whatever they were doing with it was yeah that was like a I don't know if that's historically accurate in any way but it sure was cool. Yeah, fun fact about him. Before becoming an actor, he actually was, uh, he played for the Dodgers in baseball, and he played basketball, like, professionally. How crazy is that? I want to say, I saw something, too, that was talking about how, like, that was, like, the first television show to, like, showcase a single father. And, oh, like, that's it was, right. Like, it was a big deal that it had a guy raising a raising a kid, and it, it, it kind of, like, was the first show to, like, kind of normalize and try to, like, approach that in a kind of serious way and have, you know, in various episodes, you know, the, the sort of like conflicts and like challenges that would come up for him in that role. You know, it wasn't just about, which again, much, much to the chagrin of younger Gabe, they would occasionally approach serious topics and try to talk about them as opposed to just bam, 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 bam. You know, I, uh, I never, I never thought about it that way because, huh. I never, yeah, no, never, never thought about it that way. That's crazy. Major show. First major, like, television show to have a single dad raising a kid. Wow, dude, I never even thought about that. I always just wanted to see him shoot people with his cool-ass rifle. There you go. Huh. But unfortunately, he was one of those guys that got typecast, and after that show, he just did a lot of, um, he went through the gambit of, of, like, just all those TV shows, but, like, he, you know, like he did an episode of like Police Story. He was like in, you know, Airplane 2. He changed. He went a little comedic towards the end, but he never he, he never got to that level again. You know, having I'll just be chiseled. Once you're a chisel jawed hero, you just got to be a chisel jawed hero. Yeah. It's yeah. Tough life. But yeah, I, I thought that was fun because I, I figured you might know that name. I did. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Sam Kinison passed away in 1992. Familiar with him? I'm familiar with the name. Tell me about it. He was a comedian, very popular. He his style of comedy is he would start at a normal uh, level volume, and as as he progressed and his anger rose, he also became right, very yeah. agitated. So he was screaming towards the end of his uh, of his joke. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah, you'll I remember. I recognize the name. Yep. So he passed away, and then this name you might know also, uh, Joe Schuster. Okay. Joe Schuster is the man who co-created uh, the Superman character for DC back in 38. Oh, wow. Yeah. Passed away. Now, remember, this is also Joe Schuster, the one who who wasn't given credit for creating Superman for many years, many, many years. So, yeah, he passed away. Now, on to music. There was a phenomenon in 1992. Uh, we talked about Billy Ray Cyrus, but we, there was also a phenomenon of a band... Or a, a singer. I don't remember if it was a band. I think it was just one guy. Right Set Fred. Does that sound familiar? I've heard it for sure. Okay. Does the title of his song, I'm Too Sexy, sound familiar? Oh, yeah. 1992 was the year for Right Set Fred to be shared with right, Billy Ray Cyrus, obviously. A big one. Yeah, that better, better company could you even keep. Oh, yeah. I think he, they were able to hang on to like two two or three singles on the radio before nothing ever happened. <laughs> they just disappeared. <laughs> That's That sums up many a music career. Yeah. A big, big album that came out in 92 that to this day I still listen to was The Chronic by Dr. Dre. 
It's one of just production masterpieces. Like, what do they say? One every ten years. Uh, I still listen to the Chronic. It's 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 a it's a perfect album. We also had the phenomenon of crisscross. Do you remember the that two young men who would wear their clothes backwards and get yeah. wickety wickety whack? <laughs> they were like, if it worked for hats, why not the rest of your ensemble? Yeah, they were able to ride that train out for quite a bit, right? Uh, I, you got to tell me. I don't even know. I just know of them. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, they 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 because they, they they got into movies and everything like based on it. They were like almost like kid the and play. The longevity of that career. That's interesting. Yeah, they were almost like kid and play, but not as successful. Not as successful. But yeah, but they definitely started a trend. I I still remember uh, seeing those posters and and the kids wearing the stuff backwards. Do you know the band Blind Melon? I know I've heard the name, but I, that's all. I don't know anything about it. All right, so they were they were known for one big song called um, "No Rain," uh, and the video is of a little girl wearing a, um, a a bee outfit, dancing for like a I want to say it was like a like a like a some sort of a performance or like a, a contest or something. Does that sound familiar at all? No. I would sing, but I don't know how to. So, Blind Melon, their album came out in 92. Huge hit. The lead singer, Shannon Hoon, uh, unfortunately passed away a couple years later due to a drug overdose after their second album. So, never made it. But that song, I mean, if you heard it, actually, let's, we're going to pause for the listeners. I want all of you, as Gabe is doing right now, to Google No Rain, Blind Melon, and play 10 seconds and you'll recognize the song. Here we go. Fortunately, there's an ad. Of course there is. This is a live... Oh, there's the B outfit. There's a live reaction. On Tap dancing. Uh-huh. It's a cinematic video? Is that what it is? No, there... It, it's 25 seconds in, and it's just... It's, there's no song yet. It's literally just... The tap dancing and people laughing are off the stage. Oh, now right, the right. And then, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember the video now. Oh, yeah. No, I know that it's from the first chord. Yeah, exactly, right? It's Yes, the name of the band is Blind Melon, just so you know. Came out in 92. Wow, so like uh, they could have written that if she hadn't, hadn't croaked, she probably could have written that gravy train because this song gets used. Oh, for everything. Yeah. Look at these freaking hippies. <laughs> Get a haircut. <laughs> oh, they definitely were. Okay. And the all right, al- all right. And the album "Automatic for the People" comes out by REM. You're familiar with REM? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is the the album that had their biggest hit, I think, which was like "Everybody Hurts." And I know they were huge in the '80s with like you know their other stuff, but I think "Everybody Hurts" is the one that like pushed them over the top because they had they had a "Losing My Religion," which was a huge hit. But I think "Everybody yeah. Hurts" is the one that just destroyed everything. Plus, they also had Man on the Moon, which eventually, which is about uh, Andy Kaufman, which is what they end up using the name of the movie for, stuff like that. So I just remember Everybody Hurts. I remember that year it got all the awards and and Losing My Religion was just too poppy for me. Everybody Hurts definitely made me feel it like, yeah, everybody does hurt, you know. Okay, moving on to Tech and Toys from um, 1992. The popular Halloween costumes were the Lost Boys and Freddy Krueger. Yeah, 
The Lost Boys. I feel like that's an easy one because it's just 80s punk. Right. Freddy Krueger, though, definitely took a little bit of... Uh... <laughs> Pull some clothes out of your closet. Yeah. Done. Halloween costume, done. Yeah. 92. The 80s aren't that far back, no, everybody. <laughs> that, I, that's, a, that's another great movie, though. Lost Boys. Is that something? Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, good. Skechers launches. Yeah. Oh, Skechers. Skechers. All right. I'm older than Skechers. How about that? How about that? And they're still going. I mean, stronger than ever. They are. Now, like, was it Kim Kardashian is a sponsor? I mean... Uh-oh. Oh, not a sponsor. That is a spokesperson. They would be mm. a sponsor. Does she wear Skechers? I'm sure she does. They pay her enough. Do you remember the toys Creepy Crawlers? Yes. All right. Those came out in 1992. Those made no sense to me. Luckily, my mother was smart enough not to buy me any of that crap. But that was one of those things where, like, they had the machine. They had, like, the extension machine. They had, like, they, they could get that all is, your money. That is one of the things that I can remember seeing advertisements for. Some of the few breakthrough, like, bits of regular television, like, seeing. Like, I remember, like, some of the highlights from television as a kid were advertisements, which makes sense because they're, like, you know, how many, you know, millions of dollars spent trying to do that. And I remember like advertisements for that and advertisements for uh, uh, micro machines and advertisements for, uh, you know, they always had those toys that like would like blow apart. Like you could push a button and it would like the wall would get blown up. Like had like, a oh, yeah, yeah. I got one one time as a kid for Christmas and I forget the name of the fort, but I had this little fort and you had a button. You could just hit this button repeatedly and it would like shoot missiles. It had this rotating missile launcher that had a bunch of spring loaded missiles that would rotate through. And there was like a bit of the wall that you could push a button and it would explode. So like I remember seeing stuff like that on television. Creepy Crawlers is when you saw a lot of ads for it. Never got it either. Also was not. That was not something. No no one wanted me to like be making things or pouring things into molds or. Uh, yeah, much like you, I saw the commercial a lot, but uh, it was not something that that was going to be purchased for us. No. And and to be honest with you, I don't think I ever knew anybody who had one. But again, no. like, where, where were they getting all this ad money? Who were they selling this to? Uh, normally, I would say white people, but you're one of them. So I guess that doesn't apply anymore. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I barely qualify given my, my background, though. I mean, I don't fit into standard. I don't think I fit into standard. I don't fit in the box. Yeah. Too bad about that reflection in the mirror that puts you in that box. huh? It does put me there. Constrained. Constrained, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing like that. Constraint of being white. <laughs> um, the nicotine patch comes out in 1992. Oh man, speaking of people who invented a thing, that's like, who sat there and thought of that? You know, they were like, "Why people are addicted to this? Let's just give them a, let's just give them a, let's give them their fix through their skin." No man, I diabolical. I think I think it's it's the best business right um you because with everything right with everything you make delicious alcohol people get addicted to it you make delicious drugs people get addicted to it make delicious food people get addicted to it. right so then there's the opposite right i don't want to do this anymore how do i stop eating all this delicious food doing all these Nicorette delicious drugs exactly is the answer to all of those questions so it's it's the it's the best business strategy make something that's super good and unhealthy for you and then make something that cures you of it addresses the need well yeah. it doesn't cure you it's literally just giving you the fix well but um, is, isn't it supposed to be that 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 you wean off yeah of it? you wean off of it so it's supposed to be a cure i guess eventually. but it's the same thing vaping they, they're trying to push vaping now as like oh it's better than you know it's a step 
off of smoking, and all it's doing is introducing a bunch of kids to vaping. Like, it's the gateway to smoking for a bunch of kids. <laughs> no, I used, I used to be a smoker. Dude, the best part of smoking is inhale, inhaling, and vaping takes that away from you. It's, it's disgusting. Smoke. I used to smoke, too. And you know what? The funny thing for me is, like, I never got a nicotine high. Like, I don't know what that is. I never experienced, like, a... I don't... I was just doing it as, a, as like, a thing to do. I smoked, like, generally, unless it was a social setting. If I went out to, like, a bar, I would smoke, you know, more. But, like, I, once a day was all I smoked. And when I finally said, why am I spending all this money on cigarettes? Because it's like when I stopped, it was like only five dollars and something a pack. I don't know what it is now. But uh, yeah, I was like, why the hell am I doing this? And I just stopped one day cold turkey. So I, I did and the same. I haven't had a cigarette since. I did the same, but I used to smoke because I wanted to look cool mainly. Well, I'm sure that was an influencer at the beginning there because I picked it up when I was like, how old? I was uh, 19 or 20, I think, is when I picked it up. Yeah, I I think in the service is when it was at my worst. I think that's when I was smoking like a pack a day. I think that's why I think it was. I think I was twenty because it was like it was after I knew I was uh, processing out. I was injured. I was already like I knew I wasn't gonna have to PT ever again. So Who I was like, you? well, it's not gonna screw up my running anymore. So who cares? So I started smoking because I was I already hated running enough that I literally would not have done anything to make that more miserable for myself. I was like, nope, not putting anything in my lungs while I gotta run. Yeah, no, I was I was running and I was putting a pack of cigarettes in my lungs. Because remember, like when we when we would do Firewatch during the day, it was like okay, a cigarette could keep me busy for fifteen minutes. So if I smoked four cigarettes, it was an hour. If I smoked twelve cigarettes, it was three hours, and then it was the next guy, and then I smoked the other, you know, six seven cigarettes the rest of the day, and there was a pack. That was you know the thing. Yeah, I just my I, I also recollect a lot of people transitioned like in the field to dipping because you couldn't smoke. Oh, and yeah. then I was just like, no, yeah, no, I hard pass. You know what I did at night when I couldn't smoke? Handfuls of sunflower seeds. My God. Oh, that was that. I would I definitely would use sunflower seeds. But that's just because I wanted to have something to eat, you know, and it gave you something. It gave you the it simulated eating. Yeah, basically. Just dry, dry firing for eating. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, those were the two things. During the day, it was a pack of cigarettes, and at night, it was a bag of sunflower seeds. That's what kept me awake. Yeah, a, a much better alternative. Much better. Okay, so we'll close off the episode like we normally do with some celebrity gossip from 1992. Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown are married. This is a good one. Vanilla Ice and Madonna are dating. Ooh. <laughs> right? Good for Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Emilio Estevez and Paula Abdul are an item. Go Emilio. And this is a big one. Miley Cyrus is born. Mm-hmm. Dude, uh, Billy Ray Silas had a hell of a year that year. He did. He was king of the world, man. King of the fucking world. The mullet was on top. And, and I mean, and he had his baby girl who would continue his legacy. Amazing, amazing year. So thoughts on 1992 so far, Gabe? Well, I didn't realize that at that point already pop stars, up and coming pop stars were already younger than me because that's always been a break point for me was when I realized I think like Taylor Swift is like a, like a, a few months or a year or so younger than me. And once like people that were getting major airtime were like younger than me, I was like, ah, oh, here it goes. It's the beginning of the end. But uh, apparently it already started in 92 and I didn't even realize it. Little did I know. Well, I mean, your mother had created quite a nice bubble for you, so. She did. That's fair. See? She protecting did. me from she my was... midlife crisis at age four 
She was, I think. She was doing, you might say she was doing the Lord's work. <laughs> uh, interesting, though. A lot of stuff, I mean, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that some of the stuff that I was actively watching had relevant headlines. Rip uh, Chuck Connors. All right, man. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Good talking, and we'll see you next week.